0: Hey there and welcome to she plays the podcast i'm your host ashley and i'm here to give you the latest and greatest on all things in the u.s women's sports world we're talking WNBA, nwsl mpf nwhl and all the professional leagues that we've got here in the united states she plays is a fantasy sports platform for u.s women's leagues and our podcast is to help you get to know leagues and athletes better as well as give you some expert tips every now and then for our games all of this is part of our mission to give a platform and raise more awareness for the women's side of the sports industry and to give them the greater attention that they are due join us on the journey thanks for tuning in hello everyone and welcome back to she plays the podcast i'm super excited to have julie DeCaro joining me today julie is a sports writer and senior editor at deadspin as well as a podcaster and former sports talk radio host in chicago she is a Peabody Award-winning journalist and has appeared in media outlets such as the New York Times, Sports Illustrated, The Washington Post, and Vice Sports. Julie, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So I gotta say, I I reached out because I read your book this summer, sidelined. And gosh, so good. We'll put the, the link in the show notes for everyone to go get it to order a copy. What's it been like being an author and you know, author of a book versus you've been a sports writer, podcast? snippet creator, but
1: yeah, author of a book. How's it feel? It's it's kind of bizarre. It almost feels like it doesn't really count. You know, I'm like, people are like, oh, you wrote a book. And I'm like, yeah, but it's just a book that I wrote. It's not like a real book. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, it's definitely been weird. Can you tell folks a little bit about what, what the book's about? So the book actually got started because uh, a publisher reached out after all my rantings on Twitter and was like, you know, instead of just screaming into the void, you should probably put this down somewhere. So... That got me sort of I I never thought people would be interested in hearing anything about my life or (laughs) what it's like to be a woman in this industry and working in sports media. So I was really lucky that lots of other women had stories that they wanted to share. And, you know, the thing when I started talking, first of all, there was nobody I reached out to that was like, no, I don't want to talk about it. Like everybody was like, yes, I have stuff to say. So, I mean, that felt really good. And I think that as women, we, a lot of times, sort of like when you're being bullied and you assume you're like the only person being bullied and then you find out this bully bullies everyone, it's kind of been the same. A lot of us in this industry have extremely similar experiences. And it was really refreshing to, to know that and to find that out. So the book talks about a lot of different feminist topics. It talks about what it's like to be a woman in this industry. It talks about equal pay, online harassment, women being sort of shunted to the sidelines in broadcasting and always being sideline reporters and how difficult it is to move above that. And a lot of different issues that I think affect us in the workplace and, you know, try to do it in kind of a conversational, funny tone so that it wasn't so dry and depressing to read. And the feedback from it has been great. So um, it was a really, I think, worthwhile thing to do. And I, I, I know other women are working on books on similar topics. And I really hope that we just absolutely flood the market with feminist sports books because they are desperately needed.
0: They are. And I will say it was tough to read a lot of portions of the book, just like hard emotionally to realize that this is happening, that it's been happening. It's probably still happening, which is sad. Yeah. So one, thanks for, thanks for writing it and being vulnerable. I mean, I I think that you're right that a lot of me, myself being new to the sports industry, there was a rude awakening that came with how
1: women are treated. Yeah. And whether I'm writing the book or whether I'm like talking to women who want to go into sports or going to media on college campuses, like nobody wants to scare anybody away. Right. Like we you know, we don't want to because we need as many women in this industry as we can get and non-binary folks and women of color. You know, I mean, we need all these people. So we don't want to scare anyone away. But we definitely want women to come into this industry with their eyes open and knowing that, you know, this is the kind of stuff you could face. And if you do, just know that there is an entire sorority of other women out there that have gone through the same thing and you're not alone. And and I think if I had just even known that when I got into this industry, it would have been a little bit easier. But, you know, coming, I came from law. And so, you know, in law, it's not like law is perfect. I mean, obviously, there's sexism, there's racism, there's exclusionary things that happen. But it was... Much more evolved and progressive than than working in media has been, and especially sports media. A lot of times feels like a throwback to like Anchorman, you know, or something, where it's like, a lot of times men just do whatever the hell they want and get away with it because this is the way the industry has always been. And hopefully, m- the more women that speak out about that, that will start to change.
0: Yeah, and I, I do want to move on to what were you know, what's positive and what's good, because um, like you said, not wanting to scare folks, but I do think the dose of reality is good for people to have. I mean, that, that whole video, the hashtag more than mean that you did with Sarah Spain. I remember watching that and just being like, what in the world? Again, it's like kind of when just the online bullying. And I mean, I still see tweets about Diana Taurasi that are like, you know, go make me a sandwich. I'm like, you're talking about one of the greatest
1: basketball players in the world. You know, I know. I know. It's brutal. I actually got off of Twitter And I'm off for the foreseeable future. So, I mean, it has become just such a toxic hellscape. And there's a great podcast out from You're Wrong About on cancel culture and on just the way that Twitter is just constantly primed to like explode into, you know, bullying and harassment and hate speech like every single day. And it's like, I've been off for like three days, which feels like three months. I feel like I have no idea what's going on in the world. But I don't know who the Twitter person of the day is, you know, like every day there's some person who gets, you know, it's the number one trending topic but like my heart rate is down like my resting heart rate so i think like that says a lot about that platform
0: yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah well oh, and it's been a
1: dumpster fire today we'll just
0: say that great <laughs> and it is it's like a great source of information but also very 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 prime for yeah bullying and just yeah. you know keyboard Bullying, which is just yes. crazy. Anywho, okay. So I really obviously we're on a podcast. I love podcasts. I've been amazed at like the people that I've gotten to meet and talk with. You are a, a pro at uh, podcasting. I mean, you've been on, I know um stick to pods, co-hosting always game with Jane McManus. Is that
1: right? Yeah, it's actually called The Ladies' Room. The Ladies Room. It, okay. Initially it was called Always Game, okay. but we just changed it. <laughs> the Ladies Room. <laughs> And then
0: also you're a co-founder of burn it all down. Yeah. Which we're big fans here. Big fans here. They're terrific. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, what do you love about that medium? Um, And it's, how does it
1: differ from radio like sports talk radio? You know, I think it's, well, first of all, I mean, it differs because you can talk about what you want to talk about without people on the text line, like screaming at you, you know, I mean, that's the first thing is, but you know, in some ways I do miss that audience interaction when I'm doing podcasts. I mean, Hosting sports talk radio, like a Monday after a Bears loss, was like the best. You know, I mean, it was so easy. It was just like going to a bar and talking to your friends about the Bears, and you know, it was just like the, the most natural thing in the world. The thing I do like about podcasting is that you're able to bring up um, topics that are interesting to you to make them interesting. I, I'm I sick to pods, which was sort of sports history slash crime stuff. I love like researching and scripting podcasts. So my, my producer and radio, Tony Gill and I did one together uh, that was like a multi, it was like, I think nine episodes or something on the murder of James Jordan, Michael Jordan's dad. And we got everyone in that case to talk to us, including one of the guys sitting in jail for his murder. It was like our own private little dateline thing that we did. And you're like, and you're right. I mean, you get access to all kinds of people and things that you wouldn't normally just saying, you know, I'm doing podcasting. I'm doing a podcast, you know, can I talk to you for it? You know, I love about it. The same things I love about radio. I think that there's an intimacy to audio reporting and discussions that you don't get necessarily from visual ones. And so whether it's just like sitting and chatting with Jane and all these amazing people, all these amazing women we have on our show, or whether it's scripting stuff out and researching it and telling a story. And to me, it's always been my favorite way to sort of communicate with people.
0: I love it. So if you were to, and maybe you're working on one, I don't know, but if you were to do a scripted show, a scripted series about, you know, the women's sports world right now, is there a story that or a couple stories you're like, oh, I want to dive into this?
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, there's so many great ones. I mean, I think the the fight for equal pay is huge. I thought, let's fucking go or LFG. <laughs> I think that was fantastic. And I think there's a ton to be said there, not just about what the women are going through, but what the WNBA went through, what through the women's national hockey team protests and walk out of camp and what they accomplished, um, the history of the equal pay movement. I mean, I think that stuff is fascinating. I think there's a lot. I, you know, I love Kate Fagan's piece on Sports Illustrated about the struggles the WNBA has had to get where they are right now. For 25 years. And I think that there's a ton more to be said about that. And then there's like historical stuff too. Like one of the very first stick to pods I did was about a Jewish high jumper in uh, Hitler's Germany, who he basically put on the Olympic team to uh, show everyone that he wasn't, that he didn't have a problem with Jews and then eventually kicked her off, like right before the Olympics started. I mean, there's stories like that all over the place. And because women's stories have never really been told in sports and any kind of grand scale, you know, the women who played in the Negro Leagues, where is our podcast about that? I mean, there's just so many great stories out there. Well, funny you mentioned that because we actually have a
0: podcast that highlights some of the Negro League basketball and the barnstorming basketball. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully coming out in the next uh, couple of months, but kind of like a league of our own, but like with basketball. So yeah, um, love that. Yeah. That's but great. oh my gosh, I would, I'm fascinated now by this story of this high jumper.
1: Mm hmm. Oh um, yeah, there's a I mean, there's a stick to pods episode about it. I think it's like episode like two or three. And her granddaughter is actually on Twitter, Molly Lambert. And her name is Ronald Bergman. And she, is, she her story is just fantastic.
0: That's awesome. Very cool. But I think too,
1: I mean,
0: I'm curious, just in your experience and in, in different roles in the sports industry. As far as like even like broadcast opportunities, the pay gap there. I mean, I think that's stuff that we also don't know about just in like culture and society, but I'm sure it's drastic.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's there's this movement, you know, to tell people tell your coworkers what you make. And it's uncomfortable. But like I talk about in the book, like my radio co-host Maggie Hendricks and I weren't even making the same for the show that we were doing because we negotiated different prices. And, you know, like I in the book was really Open, I think about the fact that I was making $25 an hour when I had my own show in the number two sports market in the country every night. And I was making $25 an hour. And there are guys who have shows there who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I know it's uncomfortable for people to talk about. But if you don't know what other people are making, you can't then make the argument, you know, why am I making so much less? So it's been really kind of gratifying to see people, whether they're freelance writers or podcasters or whatever, talking really openly about what they get paid. And I credit Black women in in publishing and in writing for sort of starting that trend of being like, we all need to talk about what we get paid so that we can figure out who's underpaid and we can pull sort of everybody up from the bottom. And I think that's really important. Yeah. I mean, I think it,
0: it's very different, but i I've, Always love hearing about, you know, TV show casts that rally around each other to make sure that everyone that's same level of acting and, and exposure is getting,
1: you know, equal share. So yeah, well, it's like the first season of The Crown when we found out that who I was at Matthew, I can't remember his last name, Matthew Smith was making like way more money than Claire Foy playing Queen Elizabeth. I'm like, she's playing Queen Elizabeth. Like, how can he be making more money than her? But yeah, I mean, if people don't talk about it, we never know. And I think that women by and large have been socialized that like talking about stuff is indelicate and it's rude and it's pushy. And, you know, like I'm in my 40s now. I am not here for that anymore. Like I'm all for being rude and pushy and, you know, finding out everyone's business so that you can make sure that you are being treated fairly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're absolutely
0: right. Like women standing up for themselves have always been labeled like a bitch and it's like, no, we're just reclaiming our power and and using a voice that you haven't let us use. So no, I love that all about that. And it's been really interesting too. even women versus like the the men that are in power making the decisions. Um, But even now it's trickling down to, you know, athletes and women's sports leagues, at least. Stepping up and using their voice and saying, I don't care who's in charge, but we deserve better. Yeah. And we're seeing that kind of across the board, especially in the NWSL. And it is inspiring. I think it, I can't even imagine the impact that young boys and girls, whatever, are seeing of like, yeah, you can do this and fight for yourself, fight for what you're worth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I have two sons who are in their late teens now. And they are growing up in a much different world than the one I grew up in. They're used to seeing women's sports. They're used to seeing women's professional sports. They're used to seeing, um, you know, women broadcasters. Like it, it doesn't phase them. And they're sort of like, you know, why wouldn't the U S women's national soccer team make more money than the men? Because they have won four world cups and our men didn't even qualify last time for the world cup. So I have a lot of hope for the next generation. You know, this bullshit has been going on for way too long. I started the book out with um, the stories of like the first women that went into professional locker rooms and like what they went through and they're sort of like, are you kidding me? This ish is still happening in, you know, 2021 and it's, it's kind of amazing. And I, but I think that you're exactly right that, you know, if you don't see it, you can't achieve it first of all. And second of all that, you know, putting these issues out there as uncomfortable as they are and, you know, being the first one through the wall is the bloodiest and all of that stuff. I think that we all do it for the people coming behind us. Like we all hope that other women and other non-binary folks and women of color and, you know, trans community and everyone else will have it easier because of what women have been going through. But at some point, it's like, how long do we have to keep like being abused and being mistreated and disrespected? Like, Like I was reading, you know, like someone's book about, oh, it was Claire Smith. And she was talking about, you know, women, what it was like to go in the locker room and she did it for the women behind us. And now we're 40 years later and we're still doing it for the women behind us. Like at what point are we doing it for ourselves? And that's sort of like where I struggle a little bit because I don't always want it to be waiting for the next generation for things to get better. Like at some point it needs to get better for the people that are already here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it is encouraging that, more and more women i don't know i, I in my circles it seems like there're more and more women wanting to take on roles in the sports industry but i don't know what the attrition is from people already in it um so i can't make that statement i guess but but yeah i mean it is there is that it's just exhausting at the end of the day too right like being a trailblazer is tiring and I'm constantly shocked at things. And I'm like, wait, what? How is this? How has this not been invested in? Like talking, you know, we're building a fantasy sports app for women's sports leagues. And the complete lack of investment in data and like providing and covering stats for leagues that have been around for over 10 years is staggering to me. And it's like stuff you wouldn't realize.
1: Like somebody just posted on Twitter, like, was it like her first MVP award? Her first award for MVP oh, was like a fifty dollars. Bethany Balser, yeah. Yes. What the fuck?
0: Paid paid me? for by the Players Association, I think uh, I read. Not even the league.
1: Unbelievable. I
0: was like, I'll you that right now. What are we doing?
1: I mean, I remember talking to uh, the Lamoureux twins for back when the U.S. women's hockey team was striking. And they were like, you know, if we don't compete with Canada and go out there and at least give them like a really great gold medal match, people in the U.S. are going to be upset. But at the same time, I'm working three jobs so that I can play hockey at this level. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know where the disconnect is there, but if you don't invest in women's sports, but then you still want them to win win gold medals so that you can be like, you know, fuck yeah, USA makes zero sense.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. That's why I've loved. I think the um, NWSL PA Players Association has done like a hashtag No More Side Hustles. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah, right. the professional yeah. athletes that also have two or three jobs, and this is across the board, right. not just in yeah. soccer. Yeah, you're right, for sure. Well, just curious. I mean, what what are you loving right now in the sports industry? What are the the stories or the athletes that like are inspiring you, or you're really loving to follow?
1: Okay, so. The WNBA playoffs, I love I mean, just the difference from being in radio um when we would talk about the WNBA playoffs a couple of years ago and people were like, you know, why are you talking about this? No one cares about women's sports <laughs> to now where like my entire Twitter timeline is watching the games and talking about the games. And it's not just a bunch of women, it's men, it's NBA players, it's MLB players. That to me is really inspiring. I we love to see it. You know, the, the, I was a soccer player. So women's national soccer team stuff, um, is always going to be inspiring to me. I thought let's fucking go was great. Um, I think we need more of that. And, you know, the Olympics and not just the Olympics, but Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles talking about, and you know, Michael Phelps talked about this too. And other athletes have now since come forward, but sort of giving women permission to practice self care first, I think is, is huge. I mean, I think that by and large, the way that you make it in any industry as a woman is just sort of like suck it up and deal with it. There's a million women who'd love to be in your situation. I mean, people used to tell me that in radio all the time. Fine. If you don't want this job, I can go out there today and get another woman to do it, which is not healthy for anyone. So now that we're finally having a conversation about mental health and self-care and taking care of yourself and it's okay to walk away and it's okay to tell someone to fuck off because they're treating you like crap. I mean, I think that is so important. And so I've been, you know, sort of loving that story, as well as watching U.S. soccer sort of have their little Twitter bitch fits about the U.S. women's national team. It's always entertaining. Who's <laughs> in charge of God? that account? I mean, so bad.
0: just unreal. I'm sure even as like the lawyer that, you know, like just the lawyer side of you is just like, He's what like, is going on? I know.
1: Like I really think like you're going to say that about the most. I mean, is there a team in this country more beloved than the women's national soccer team? yeah you're gonna bitch at them on twitter are you kidding me yeah just nuts just
0: insane i know and that was even something too where it was like you were saying about hockey but even with the u.s soccer team you know people were so disappointed that they meddled in something other than the gold and it's like they still want a, a medal like it yeah i don't know and and to even qualify for the olympics for women is so tough
1: yeah like where were the men oh it didn't qualify it's
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Always, always sadly with us soccer, but no, no, I think that's great. And it, it is interesting to me too. Ted Lasso. I don't know if you're on the Ted Lasso train. Mm-hmm. I, I am. love, I love Ted Lasso, but it is super interesting to hear folks talk about Ted Lasso and like, especially in season two, like really focusing on mental health. And then on the flip side, they're kind of hating on Simone Biles. And I'm like, what is this? Like, why is this disconnect?
1: It's weird. There is a huge disconnect between Ted Lasso fans, who I think all of us respond to like the positivity and the kindness with which everyone treats each other, and the acceptance and understanding, and the way those people then go out into the world and behave. Like I, I said this on Twitter, like there was this guy, he just comes over to my Twitter timeline and shit posts all the time, and so I finally went and looked at his timeline, and it's all Ted Lasso stuff, and I was like in a really bad mood, and I was like, Ted Lasso would hate it. Oh, I'm like. <laughs> You'd get no hugs from Roy Kent. You can go hang out with Jamie Tarts <laughs> because you are a mean person, but yet you love Ted Lasso. Like, yeah, I mean, I think it's exactly right. I mean, and, and you know, the, yeah, I, it,
0: yes, I agree. It's strange. It is strange, but my goodness, that show is amazing. So it's really good. Big, big fans. All right. Well, you want to play a little bit of uh, rapid fire? Yes, let's do it. Okay. All right. What is your favorite sport to watch? Soccer. Favorite sport to play? Gymnastics,
1: really love I mean, that. I was a gymnast and I can't do much anymore, but I still love handstands and car and trying to make my body do things it doesn't want to do. I
0: love that. I also love watching Jonathan Van Ness fulfill yes. their, their gymnastics dreams. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> All right, favorite Gatorade flavor? Red. What flavor is that? Fruit
0: punch. Fruit punch. Yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 All right. Best sports memory you have as like a viewer watching sports.
1: Oh, Cubs winning the World Series in 2016. Waited my whole life for it. I love that. Alright, favorite
0: sports moment you had while playing sports?
1: Going deep into a state tournament with my high school women's soccer team. That like I think the camaraderie that that women get in a in a society where we're so socialized to see each other as competition, I think to see each other as teammates and support system is a, is a feeling that I will never forget my entire life.
0: That's awesome. That's really yeah. big for our culture and like what sports can do for. Ah, I love that. Yeah, put them all. Put all the girls in sports. Yeah, all, put all the girls in sports. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, so much confidence building and everything. Okay, last one. If you could get free tickets for life to any sporting event, you get the tickets anytime it happens. So either like World Series every year or World Cup every four years. What are you getting free tickets to?
1: I mean, the World Cup is the obvious answer for a soccer fan. I mean. That's, that's a big one. I also, huge issues with the Olympic committee and everything they stand for and everything they do. I really love the winter Olympics, especially, or maybe the winter Olympics. There you go. Great. Awesome choices. (laughs) It's like all the sports I never played. So I want to go watch them. Like I, how do you do that on ice? I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) that is,
0: that is literally me. Every winter Olympics. And it's also, yeah, just something beautiful about, at least for the athletes, like coming together and just celebrating sport. Yeah.
1: Cold sports. And they're always in these really beautiful places, too. You know, I mean, yeah. they're always in the mountains somewhere and some like beautiful, you know, mountain range. So, yeah, that would be my thing. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for taking the time to chat. Where can folks find you, follow you, all that good stuff? Well, probably have to go back to Twitter at some point. So at Julie DeCaro, although I'm taking a break, but I'm on Instagram at Julie DeCaro, and you can always read my work over at Deadspin.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll put all those links in the show notes. And just thanks again for your time.
1: Thanks for having me, Ashley. It was fun.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast from wherever you're listening, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform it may be. And if you could, we'd really appreciate you leaving a rating and writing a review. That helps us get more listeners, and the more listeners we've got, the more attention we're giving to the athletes we all love. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you next time.